Well, I guess we should get started. My name is Howard Searle, and I have the privilege this morning of representing Emanuel Hospital Association. Uh, I happen to be there when it began, and uh, that's uh, 46 years ago, a long time. But it's been under Indian missionary leadership for 41 years as of this past August. They have uh, 20 hospitals in 42 community health and development programs. And uh, we're just going to use them as uh, an illustration of uh, the the follow-up that's possible with uh, spiritual ministries based in mission hospitals. Uh, The hospitals and, and and projects are located in North India, as outlined in the amber color, uh, north and northeast India. Um, just an illustration of some of the involvements. This is a uh, gentleman, Narendra, who uh, lived in a remote village near the town of Fatipur, the city uh, in north India. Uh, he had been unable to walk. He had some huge uh, pressure sores. He was in pain, and uh, he just had given up hope. And uh, he wanted to die, so he was slowly starving himself. Uh, Some health care workers found out about him, and uh, they arranged to bring him to the hospital in Fatipur, and uh, through some lab diagnoses, lab, laboratory procedures and x-ray, he, they found that he had TB of the spine. Uh, he was nursed there in the hospital and the, uh, then followed up in uh, home care by the community health workers. His uh, pressure sores gradually healed. And uh, all this time he was cared for by, in a loving way by these community health workers. His sores eventually healed and uh, they were able to arrange to get him a tricycle uh, wheelchair that uh, was powered uh, and operated with his upper extremities, his arms and hands. And uh, these are some of the people who worked with him and some of his family members. Uh, Gradually, he became independent, relatively independent. Uh, But he didn't didn't have an income. And the folks from the the hospital, again, the community workers, helped to get um, get him involved in managing a tea stall. And... uh, he now is able to look after himself. Here's another gentleman, we'll call him Amit, the low-caste Dalit, uh, living in the Lalitpur area, uh, excuse me, in the Fatipur area. And uh, he had been a pond chewer. This is a mixture of, of betel nut and tobacco, and is, has a high incidence of 
oral cancer. And he was diagnosed with this, very painful. And uh, he had been the only earning member with his wife and four children, his father. And uh, he, under, he went to the hospital to, to uh, get, this, get treatment. And uh, he then went back to his employer to ask for, and he asked for a loan. The employer kind of concluded fairly quickly that he wouldn't be able to repay that loan. So he fired him. Here he was with no job. He's the only wage earner. And uh, they, they provided him with um, pain medication to relieve his, his uh, severe pain. And... Uh, Excuse me just a minute. Pardon me. He, as soon as his pain was relieved, he, was, he wanted to get back to work. This guy was a diligent fellow. And uh, the, the community health people and the palliative care team... Uh, persuaded his former boss to take him back. And he more than rewarded that action. He, he was a diligent worker, hard worker, and a very productive worker. And for two years, he was able to, to work. He made sure that all the money went to his wife and family. And uh, he subsequently died uh, peacefully. I'm going to ask Dr. Vinod Shah now to come and talk a little bit about the, the uh, outreach through the Duncan Hospital in Roxall. Um, the topic for this morning is uh, spiritual ministries follow-up. But, you know, you cannot simply do a spiritual ministries follow-up unless you are interested in the whole person. <clears throat> and, uh, therefore, uh, we wanted uh, to do this in partnership with missionary organizations. And, uh, <clears throat> what we did was we got mission agencies you know church planting agencies to partner with the hospital and the idea was to get the mission agencies to have a holistic understanding you know not simply go and preach the gospel and plant churches but be interested in the patient who is discharged as a whole person and we wanted our staff in the hospital to again have a, a, you know, holistic understanding. So we wanted them to know that it was not enough to just stop with, uh, uh, with uh, ministering, the, ministering to the patient, his illness, but to actually be interested in the follow-up and to work along with the church planting agencies. And so we had what is called uh, orientation workshops. Uh, 
different mission agencies came and they did sort of orientation workshops uh, and the both the teams the hospital folk and the mission agency they learned and they gelled and they became like one team <clears throat> this is a picture of uh, one of the orientation workshops and then there was another orientation workshop we call this an integral mission workshop where it's not simply about spiritual follow up it's about uh, being interested in in that person you can see in the previous slides that howard showed that uh, they were interested in the patient's economic welfare you know in the first instance uh, they got him a tea stall so that he could be empowered and he could be independent in the second instance they saw that he got back his job and it was because of this that both those people actually accepted the lord so in other words if you just preach the gospel to them without worrying about their economic situation and their context and their family context you're not likely to be successful so spiritual ministries follow up can be only done if you're interested in the whole person like in the first two instances you know helping with the tea stall helping with the family members being united and stuff like that and so uh, we wanted that sort of approach for follow up not simply a spiritual approach and this is the reason why they had this uh, integral mission workshops <clears throat> um and then again important principle that i have just highlighted is that a hospital is not primarily meant for spiritual follow up you know people are professionals they are stressed because they have huge numbers of patients uh they are not likely to do a whole lot of work uh going to the villages and community and following people up so obviously you need partnerships and so that is one of the most important principles of follow up you have to partner with uh church planting agencies or with churches in of course north india there are very few churches so we have to partner with church planting agencies <coughs> um <coughs> and this church planting agencies um will develop worship groups in houses uh based on the patients who are discharged from the hospital suppose you know xyz is discharged from the hospital goes to a particular home the missionary comes to know about that particular patient then that patient becomes the index so you follow up that patient you make friends you develop relationship and then in his own house you develop worship groups because there are no churches and it's always safer to do it this way because you know you can see there are women uh worshiping is very difficult for women to go to some christian church and begin to worship because you know the husband will ask other men will ask where are these women going what are they doing but if it is in a house then they are just visiting somebody's home and they are having worship groups and so this was a important uh strategy <clears throat> there are more examples of the integral mission workshop and then there are some stories of what happened through these <clears throat> um there was a there was a lady who um uh, who uh was a hindu you can see that she is a hindu by the fact that there is a you know a spot on her forehead 
And uh, she came to know about the Lord in the hospital and through the ministry of the church planting agencies. And then um, she had a problem. She didn't have money to pay for her daughter's marriage. And in India, if you want to get your uh, daughter married, you have to give a whole lot of money, a lot of dowry to be able to do that. And so she prayed and it seemed that the groom didn't really want uh, too much dowry and she was able to get her marriage, daughter's uh, marriage done. <clears throat> and then there is another very interesting story about a man called Harendra Ram. Now he had filed some cases against the hospital for preaching. And uh, that can be quite serious because, you know, uh, uh, under the present regime, you can actually be imprisoned. And so, he had filed some cases, but luckily what happened was he himself got converted. And uh, he withdrew the court case, he began to have family prayers, he began to read the Bible, he began to preach to other people, and then he opened his own home for a house church. <coughs> um, and then there is another story about a girl called Renu. She was an adolescent girl. She came to the hospital. Uh, so what's happened here? I'm not sure. Uh, can someone help me with this? I didn't touch anything, but it's gone up. It might be shorter this thing here. Is the PowerPoint open? Can't connect to iCloud. Where is the presentation at? Up here. This one? Yeah. Can you manipulate it? Oh, yes, come, just come. No one breathe. Okay. Um, and um, she came to know the Lord uh, through this partnership. And then uh, she began to teach the Bible to her family, to her siblings. And then... Uh, and they, they all began to go to church. And so, you know, uh, there are stories of uh, what can be done in partnership. You know, when the church planters come, you give them access to the hospital. They come and talk to patients. And when they are discharged, the church planters and the mission agencies follow them up to the house. Uh, hopefully, can start house churches in a few places. 
and then you know all this sort of impact happened so there are some stories about uh, what happened in this particular hospital <coughs> Sorry for that, that interruption. If I can fix anything, anybody can. Um, just want to mention, and I should have done this sooner, for uh, Dr. Shaw. Uh, Dr. Shaw has worked on every level in EHA, starting at Mission Hospital level. He was the medical secretary. He later was the executive director. And he just recently, after uh, serving elsewhere in, in uh, India, he served uh, several years as chairman. He just recently stepped down. So Dr. Shaw knows what he's talking about in terms of the ministry. And again, uh, the vision of EHA is to be a fellowship for transformation through caring. And we're just sharing with you some of the ways in which we're able to care for uh others in, in various ways. We talked about palliative care. And uh, I need to tell you that the only palliative care in all of North India was limited to a few places, few cities. Um, nothing in the rural areas. So if you had a diagnosis, a terminal diagnosis, you go home and nothing for pain, nothing for comfort. So EHA, through Dr. N. Tile, uh, has developed a ministry in palliative care. And I think they're now in eight hospitals, nine hospitals of the 20. Uh, and this is a huge area of ministry to people who are hurting and otherwise receive no care. And I emphasize no care. The, the vision, as they, as they outline here, is a fellowship for transformation, and that transformation is effected through people who care, people who are transformed themselves and who are able to bring transformation into the lives of others. Jiwan Jyoti Christian Hospital means light of life, is a 100-bed hospital about 60 miles south of Varanasi. Some of you have heard of Varanasi. It's a center of Hindu worship. And we're talking about ministry in the belt across North India of strong Hindu uh, commitment. Uh, at that hospital, there's evangelism at the bedside, sharing the gospel individually, and praying with patients. It's interesting, I, I learned, I spent a few years in India and in talking with my colleagues there. It's very seldom when you ask someone to, if you can pray for them, that they'll decline. People are happy to have you pray for them. Patients receive the Bible and a gospel tract with the help of Gideon's ministry, again, a partnership, working with the Gideons who distribute copies of God's Word. Then they also are able to invite 
patients and their families uh, to a- attend the local church there at the at the hospital, and it's becoming crowded. Uh, they're talking about extending that building. The impact is that patients and their family are giving their lives to Jesus Christ and and beginning to enjoy a personal relationship with Him. Some of the staff have come to know the Lord. Some of the uh, junior, the uh, what's the term, Jeff, or untrained staff, third class, fourth class staff. Uh, who have come to know the Lord. Outreach programs, Christmas programs are a great attraction to people in the neighborhoods. And if you haven't seen Christmas presentations in India, you haven't seen anything. They have the animals all there. And (laughs) the people too. And they're able to share. uh, You know, I don't know whether you've thought about this or not, but Christ was did not have an American passport. He was born a West Asian. And his disciples were Asians. And those who recorded the scriptures were Asians. It's, a, it's insightful to uh, demonstrate, uh, to re- share God's word and to demonstrate his truths in, the con- in this context in India. In uh, Christmas programs are very, very welcome in most of these places. One of the other ways that uh, staff has gotten involved with folks in the community is through the distribution of blankets in the wintertime. Uh, when winter comes here, we get snow. They don't get snow, but it does get cold, and there's really no real source of heat. Uh, so blankets are important, and it's just another as- aspect of caring and the hospital is, along with EHA, they continue to explore ways to in, increase and strengthen their capacity in reaching out to people in their neighborhood. Prem Jyoti Community Hospital. This is an interesting arrangement. Uh, Prem Jyoti is a hospital in, uh, in, in uh, the state of Jharkhand. Uh, which is kind of taken out, the next section taken out of uh, the state of Bihar. Um, there's a tribal group called the Malto people, and uh, they were Friends Missionary Prayer Band missionaries, uh, worked among them, and there was a people movement, people coming in groups to, to know Christ as their Savior. Um, they found that they were a diminishing population. Uh, they called in uh, help from EFAPOR, the Evangelical Fellowship of India Committee on Relief, and in turn they called in EHA and said, we've got a problem. Why are people dying? And two doctors came 15, 17 years ago, and they've been there ever since. They've established a ministry among these folks, and they reversed that population uh, decline, which was due to TB and uh, um, oh, filariasis uh, and malaria. They 
result is that they've got a thriving ministry there, largely established on a village basis, community health and development, but they've also got a 30-bed hospital to care primarily for um, mothers who are expecting babies. Um, they, they conduct Bible studies, youth camps. They have care groups among their staff. They have prayer and face fasting uh, in, the, uh, in the community. They have youth retreats, and they're exploring new outreach programs. One of the prayer groups during a, a recent youth retreat then there was this uh, experience of this gentleman who had a, jo- a stable job with the Power Commission, and he also had a very real commitment to alcohol. He lost, wasted a lot of his money and his time. His health deteriorated. He started having convulsions, and uh, then it had a stroke. And while he was in hospital, they found that he had diabetes and uh, an interesting diagnosis of neurocystosis, uh, a worm that gets into the brain. They treated him and in the, uh, he responded to treatment and uh, subsequently gave his heart and life to the Lord. I beg your pardon. That didn't happen. That's something they're praying for. But uh, again, the care has been provided in demonstrating the concern for the, of the people from the hospital for the people in the community. Chattapur, in the center part of India, have a strong program in distributing uh, New Testaments. They also have a, uh, an arrangement. Dharamshala in India is a place where relatives can stay. Why relatives? Because there's no kitchen that produces food for the folks. So the family prepares the food. And they have an a, a, a open arrangement there where they can prepare their food and they can stay there at night time without being uh, concerned about uh, people harming them or causing trouble. So this is, a, again, a ministry that attracts people to the uh, work of the hospital and to the gospel. In Fatipur, uh, again, in North India, uh, involvement in the local church and the house church. As Dr. Vinod Shah mentioned, one of the factors about the house church is that it's a safe place for ladies to go. Uh, ladies can be questioned, uh, as he mentioned, about going to a regular church, a church building, but not seldom are they going to be concerned, is anyone going to be concerned about them going to a house church? And the house churches are proliferating across North India. We're looking at the hospital in Herbertpur, and if I ask, uh, well, we'll just check. One of the outreaches of the hospital at Herbert Poor is to the youth, the Vacation Bible School, and their opportunities to work with local churches. 
in other Christian organizations. I'm going to ask Dr. Jeff Lehman, who ministered at the, at the Herbert Hoover Hospital, to come and comment on these. You know, one of the things that uh, you guys are all health professionals, and you're here at this conference because of that in some capacity. But, you know, one of the things that I thought about when I went to India, I don't know whether it was the wrong missionary biographies that I was reading, but I mean, obviously you're here at this conference because you have a heart to somehow pair with what you're doing medically to a spiritual impact in the people's lives of people coming to the Lord, of communities and lives being transformed. But I think one of the things that's important to realize is, is that uh, you know, those missionary biographies that you read where it's one person who does everything, uh, you think that that's going to be you when you go there. Well, I, when I moved to Herbert Poor, I had read those biographies that you've read, and I thought that uh, you know, I was going to be the one man uh, transforming factor in the lives of these patients. But when you get there and you realize that the line to see you as a doctor is sometimes 50, sometimes 100 patients a day, that you're responsible to see, you realize, and you go home at 6 or 7 o'clock at night after doing rounds, and you're exhausted, and you have a wife and children to take care of, you realize that this whole thing of spiritual follow-up, like Dr. Vinod Shah said, becomes very, very difficult, much more difficult than the biographies sometimes share. And I think the theme, if you walked away out of this session today, the one thing that has to happen is intentionality, uh, for spiritual follow-up, because it will never happen unless you're intentional. And then I'll tell you that that intentionality is tested because of fatigue and the patients that are there. But I think the most important thing that's already been mentioned is just that of, uh, of working in partnership with, with national believers and national churches. There's no way that this hospital can employ enough faculty and, and staff to be able to do spiritual follow-up on their own and yet keep the prices uh, for the patients low enough. And so partnership with ag- mission agencies is really, really important. I'm gonna, we're just going to talk about two stories and then I'll sit down. But the first is, this is Tasmin. Uh, Tasmin was a Muslim woman in the belt where we work. Uh, there, I don't know if many of you know, there's a big push now in missions about Muslim uh, reaching Muslims for Christ. And don't forget that India is the second largest Muslim country in the world. And uh, sometimes we forget about that in our focus when we think about Islamic uh, outreach centered to the Middle East. But India has the second largest number of Muslims in the world. So this Tasmin is a Muslim woman who came from a really remote village. She had an intrauterine fetal demise, and some village quack had performed a uh, DNC on her, and she came with a perforated uterus and was septic, and she had had already had multi-organ failure here. We had one ventilator in the hospital, and you can see by this time she's already on a tracheostomy tube. Uh, she was in the hospital uh, for many, many weeks, at six, for a total of six weeks. By four weeks, we had her weaned off the ventilator. You can see here uh, she doesn't look very healthy, but at least she's weaned off the ventilator here. You know, the difficulty with this is her husband was a day wage earner. And so even though the hospital was writing off of her bills, even though uh, we were paying for a lot of their treatment, our, we were all taking turns in the hospital campus to provide food for her and her family there at the hospital. Every day that her husband was there taking care of her was a day he wasn't working, and they weren't working. And at this point, about six weeks later, uh, because of the physiologic impact, not only on her physically, but on her emotionally and, and spiritually, she said, and the family decided that they couldn't afford this anymore. And they said, we're going to go home and she will just die at home. And we were fairly convinced that that would be the case for her. 
She was still uh, extremely sick here and by this point wasn't eating at all. So the day that she left the hospital, this is the day as they're walking out the door, we stopped them to take this picture. Um, the hospital staff and the nurses that had been caring for her for all these weeks gathered around them and prayed for her, and they left. And uh, it was interesting about uh, we, our village community health workers. We knew an area that she was from, but we didn't know the exact village, and it was actually pretty far away. So our community health teams went two or three times trying to find this woman, and they didn't. About a month and a half later, we heard uh, from another patient who said, yeah, I'm from that woman's village. She's alive. And uh, so that was a very interesting. So uh, this fellow here on your right is Dr. Laji Samuel, one of our anesthetists, uh, anesthesiologists, got in his uh, car and he drove and found this village. And here's a picture of that same woman. Now, I'd love to tell you that she was a believer by now. She was not. But the interesting thing was is that because of what happened to her, she was convinced that that prayer the day that she left the hospital was what changed her health. And so at this point in the story, she had not become a believer, but what they had done was opened up their home to OMM, Indian OMM missionaries to come into the village and begin to pray for other people in the village. And her house was a place where people came to meet every week to pray for people in their village. And as far as we know from the OMM missionaries, this was the first time anyone had been had a home open for prayer in that village. So you can see here that this is a, a partnership thing, and this is one of the rare instances where a doctor does get to go out and follow up with someone and see impact. Um, that's it. Yeah. I guess the other story is not in here. Thank you, Jeff. We're increasingly realizing in ministry, and EHA is pioneering in this area, that uh, our responsibility is to look at others and see how can I complement you and your ministry. And they, in turn, asking us how can we complement your ministry. So this interdependent complementarity is a, a very important realization aspect of ministry. None of us has the answers. None of us has all the resources. But we increasingly are working together to accomplish God's work. In Lucknadon, that's down in central India, how many of you have read Jungle Book or seen the movie? It's not far from Lucknadon where that takes, took place, or where the story was written. Uh, Lucknadon, uh, again, has been active in distributing New Testaments to inpatients and their families. They've also been involved in jail ministry. That's not been a, a common focus, but it's been a fruitful focus, and people have come to know the Lord. There's a gentleman by the name of Chetulal who came to know the Lord. Uh, as a result of prison ministries. And other new believers have taken baptism. Village uh, house churches have been started in three different places. Lollipar, we mentioned, that's another town just uh, a few hundred miles south of Delhi. Um, The folks in the hospital, again, collaboration, working with students and faculty from the local Bible seminary there. And vacation, daily vacation Bible school has another been another important outreach into the community. 
Utrala. That's a uh, that's located up closer to the border of Nepal in northern India. And again, daily outpatient uh, daily sharing of the gospel in the outpatient department. Vacation Bible School for the staff children. Weekly Thanksgiving and prayer fellowship at the hospital chapel. And once again, inviting children from nearby villages and teaching them stories and songs. Children love songs. And Indian children have a phenomenal capacity to memorize. And they do. So they take those, those stories from the Bible and the songs that they learn, take them home, and they themselves impact their own families. So the future goals are to explore additional opportunities to strengthen outreach ministries with dependence on the Lord's guidance and enabling. Um, I mentioned that I was involved in the early days of EHA. Prior to that, I'd worked in a mission hospital in Maharashtra. And I had the attitude understanding that I was there to look after the people who came to us. And the concept of outreach didn't occur to me. It's a very real part of what, of the ethos of Emmanuel Hospital Association where they find, they're finding different ways to reach out into the community. So we say thank you to the, uh, EHA family and the Global Missions Health Conference for this opportunity to share with you. Uh, I'm going to ask, uh, yes, Jeff. Can I just share one thing? Sure. I've been in an email dialogue with the past president of EHA, uh, the guy who just stepped down from that for a couple of reasons, and you've been talking about uh, some related things. Anyway, a quote that I got from him in the email yesterday that just really rung clear to me was, it's not the things that we do that matter and last is the relationships that are built. And it seemed like such a simple phrase, and it seems like such a, a thing that we all know about. But it's so easy to forget when you're confronted with seeing hundreds and hundreds of patients a day in an outpatient setting. And, and that, and we can go, and, and a lot of times as Americans, we tend to be very, very focused on tasks and doing and planning. And in the end, the spiritual impact that's going to last is going to be lasting there through relationships. And so... Uh, Again, that's one of those very basic things. There's nothing new that you're going to hear, but it's just kind of reminding yourself of that when, when things seem difficult and you seem to be overwhelmed by the amount of tasks that are there. Mm. Why don't you stay up here and be available? Okay. Um, what Jeff just said, I'll just piggyback on that. Uh, most of us came to know the Lord through a relationship of trust. Someone we trusted trusted Christ, so we felt comfortable trusting their Savior. I would resonate with what Jeff said. I, you, you can't help but learn about relationships when you live and serve in India. Indians are all about relationships. And as Jeff pointed out, it's a very important vehicle. Build relationships of trust to win people to the Lord. And there are so many ways that we can build relationships. And these we've shared with you are just a few of those. 
Some of you have comments or questions? Experiences to share as well, or questions or comments? Yeah. Uh, yeah, question. So, uh, I guess in this hospital, when you have patients that are being witnessed to, and they, let's say they, they're interested in becoming a Christian at least, then did you like contact local churches? You try to get them basically connected with the local church. How did that happen? Yeah. I think every different hospital is independent uh, or how they do you that. Know. At Herbert one of the things that we really tried to do is we knew kind of a network. We had a map of who different pastors were in villages. There weren't many. Uh, and then we knew who the church planning organizations were. And at times, we were more fortunate uh, to have local, like uh, Operation Mobilization had uh, missionaries there with us at the hospital some of the time. If that was the case, that was really easy because they could just get on their motorbike and drive to follow up with those people. We're trying to just network, and it was a lot of work, but trying to network with pastors somewhere in that area where that patient came from for follow-up, that was the biggest uh, thing. And then if we did have the luxury of having uh, missionaries around the hospital, that we would, they would be able to follow up with more, more diligently. Our community health teams did go out to villages, and so if there was, uh, in the areas where our community health teams were, there would be follow-up too. But I think the one thing that made it difficult was that you know, we tend to drive a couple miles to the nearest hospital. I mean, we would have people who would come six or seven hours to the hospital, and you take any point, you draw a six or seven hour radius around there. That, that's like from here to Chicago uh, driving. Obviously, it wasn't that far in India, but it was still a lot of people in a long way. So that it is challenging sometimes, and sometimes it's just a follow-up when they come back for a follow-up visit to the hospital, then there's another opportunity to pick up And I think one of the important things is that if you're in a busy hospital, having dedicated staff, who have time and availability to talk to patients. I mean, in our busy outpatient department, you could just see patients, and then there would be that point. You just felt uh, the spirit opening, or that patient became open to talk about things. At that point, for me to spend a half an hour to talk to them was just almost impossible. So you could refer them off to a man or a woman in the hospital who had a heart for evangelism and the gift of evangelism who could have more time sharing with those people and identifying who those people are. Couple of things to piggyback on there. The uh, I remember Jeff telling me a number of years ago about a lady who came from Saharanpur, a Muslim lady, and uh, Je- Jeff asked her why Why are you coming all this distance? You're passing clinics and doctors' offices all the way along, and she her response was very interesting. She said, "You you you honor us. You respect us." And as Jeff pointed out earlier, uh, India has the largest accessible Muslim population in the world. There are other larger countries with larger populations, but in India, the Muslims are another minority. So we have free access to interact with them. The other point you made, Jeff, I think is very important. We talk about relationships and and interacting uh, on the agency level, it's called, we call partnering. Sorry, I forget about this thing. Uh, We call it partnering. And we're increasingly aware that God has given different gifts to different people. And we can complement one another. As Jeff said, when we're busy in the clinic, we don't always have time to talk with people, but we can refer them to others. I remember being at Herbertpur 10, 
no, 15 years ago. It's hard to believe how time goes. But the, um, we were visiting there, and, and uh, one of the ladies asked the nurse, when are they going to come and talk to me? The nurse says, what do you mean? Well, she said, my sister-in-law was in this hospital a few weeks ago, and they came and talked to her about Jesus. When are they going to come and talk to me? So we have interesting opportunities when people are being cared for and they're open to, to our sharing with them the gospel of Christ. Vino, do you have a comment? Okay. Any other, another question or comment? Your experience? Somebody else had their hand up there. Don't get shy now. Another effective method is uh, in the local language in a lot of the hospitals on a Friday or on a Saturday. And so not only the patients will come and see, but patients' relatives and sometimes local people from outside will come and watch. So that was another method of, you know, preaching the gospel in the hospital campus. used to be that uh, we relied on a hospital chaplain to share God's word, but increasingly it's important to encourage all of our hospital staff, all of them, to demonstrate what it means to be transformed if, they're going, if we're going to have a, a ministry to transform the, facilitate transformation in the lives of others. Uh, it may be lining up to to get blood drawn at the, by the lab technician or it may be uh, uh, going for an x-ray but each of those members of staff have a, a, an opportunity to minister and uh, I think one of the other opportunities that we have is that in the, in the hospital and this is a problem that we as doctors sometimes have we tend to see ourselves as superior. I, I'm very grateful, I can say this because I'm not involved personally, but I'm very grateful for the emphasis in EHA hospitals of that uh, we are one. And the doctors are not important, more important than the nurses or the technicians or the cleaning people. We all have a ministry, and it's our responsibility to see how we can complement the ministries of each other. Can you say something? Yeah. This is the last thing I'm going to say, but I just have a question for you guys. Let's say, not that this would ever happen to you, but hypothetically, you go through a period of your life where you're not reading God's Word, you're not praying, and uh, it just goes on. I mean, how is your heart warmed toward evangelism, toward reaching out to people? I mean, is it wane and wax with time? I know that none of you ever go periods of time without reading your Bible or praying or being with the Lord. But you know, the thing I think we forget to realize is, is that the effectiveness of that hospital reaching people for Christ has to do with the spiritual health of the people working in that hospital. And I think one of the things that I never thought about was we just thought about, yeah, everybody who works at this hospital is going to be on fire for Christ and we're always going to be evangelizing. But I think some of the time that, that I ended up spending 
was just being in, in community with each other at the hospital. Now that seems kind of counterproductive, but if we are not healthy spiritually as a group, I think if we're not pouring times into being a community that's building people up and teaching God's word, of just being reminded of ourselves, uh, our own need to be, uh, I think that that's really important too, and not to uh, neglect the spiritual health of the community that you're in. And that is absolutely essential. It's not just going to be something that's on autopilot anymore that your life is on autopilot to be spiritually healthy and have a passion for Him. And then just adding to that, we have the opportunity to pray for each other. How can I pray for you in your role? What What do you find is challenging in your role, whether it's a nurse or a technician or whatever? One of the major problems we face in India as uh, the nursing community is the poor relationship that nurses have with doctors. And one of the things that EHA has been able to demonstrate is just basic respect for, for, by doctors for nurses. That communicates volumes. We, have, we, we try to avoid every kind of, uh, what do I want to say, Abuse, speaking down, condescending. These are all part of our commitment to Christ, uh, living for Christ, and our commitment to, to other followers of Christ interacting with them. Thank you for your attention. We'll be around here if you have any questions or comments. Uh, I. Just one thing added to what you were saying, uh, Jeff. We we have the privilege of praying for each other. If we're we're part of the body of Christ, we get to know each other in the context of hospitals, clinic outreach, uh, on the community level. We have the opportunity to pray for each other, and conversely, to be vulnerable to each other, so that prayer can be shared. Thank you so much. God bless.